0: Hello and welcome to Your Calling, our podcast—the podcast for Evangel University. Evangel actually means good news, and we want to share good news with you about the incredible ways our alumni, students, and friends are changing the world. I'm one of your co-hosts, Hector Cruz, joined by Kate Alsip, and we work in the University Advancement Office at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. Before introducing our guest, we'd like to send out a thank you to the Assemblies of God Credit Union for sponsoring this podcast. Founded by the Assemblies of God employees in 1951, AGCU provides day-to-day banking services for people across the United States and missionaries in 190 countries worldwide. When you bank with AGCU, you're helping support church ministry, university scholarships and programs, and humanitarian efforts.
1: Our guest today is Rev. Sehi Duran. Sehi is a graduate of Central Bible College and the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. She lives here in Springfield, Missouri, and she is our 2020 CBC Outstanding Young alum. Welcome, Sehee. Thank
2: you, Hector and Kate.
0: So great to be with you today. And so we're going to start with some simple questions okay. for you to get started. So uh-huh. first of all, where were you born?
2: I was born in South Korea. Thank God, not North Korea, right? <laughs> <laughs> South Korea, Busan. So I would, that's the southern part, so I used to speak with accent, South Korean accent.
0: So you can tell people you have a southern accent. Yes,
3: yeah, yes. That's, that's
0: great.
2: <laughs> All right, tell us a little bit about your family. So I am married to Damon Duran. Um, uh, he's also the one as well, um, the of Theological Seminary. I've been married to him for 17 years, and we have three children. Can't believe um, my oldest is driving. He's in high school. Uh, my uh, middle one is in you know, boy, two boys and a girl. My princess, baby girl. She's still uh, almost ten now. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah,
0: that is amazing. So you're in a little bit of a unique situation. So you're you're one of our alumni awardees this year, okay. um, the CBC Outstanding Young Alum. But you're also a graduate of AGTS. At least mm-hmm. somebody's got theological somewhere. So first, when did you graduate from CBC, and then when did you graduate from AGTS?
2: Yes, I graduated from CBC in two thousand thirteen. And then AGTS in 2016. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: And what degrees did you get from Bible University? Yeah,
2: Central Bible College. I did Bible and theology, and at, uh, AGTS. I did uh, now called Leadership Ministry, or what, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, the MLM Master's yes. in Leadership Ministries. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So this is a, a fun one, especially for you, because I know you wear multiple hats.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and full disclosure, Sehi and I got to serve together on the alumni board um, for several years. So. Yeah. Um, Tell us about your current jobs, um, and I'd say jobs, (laughs) plural. So tell us about your current jobs and some of the things that you're doing right now.
2: Yes. So my favorite is being a wife and a mom, uh, and that's my foundation. And uh, being a pastor at Life 360 Intercultural Church. uh, We planted this church five years ago. My husband is actually a founding pastor during his studies at AGTS. This was his project, really. That's awesome. Yeah, and out of that, we birthed our international church. And then now I'm, I get to teach at Evander University in the Bible Theology Department. Um, as an adjunct professor, I'm a police chaplain in Springfield, Missouri. At the national level of the and of God, I'm a training director for the Network of Ministers, really uh, equipping uh, future, current, uh, you know, past ministers uh, to serve God's kingdom together better, side by side with our uh, male peers. Um, what am I doing? What else am I doing? You have to tell me what that's, I'm doing. Yeah, no, that's
0: that's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's amazing how the, the practical application of the project,
3: mm-hmm. yes, where absolutely.
0: you're doing a, a project or you and your husband or your husband was doing a project to yes. plant a church and now you're actually the pastor of it. Tell us about what that looked like.
2: It was just, um, I, I love AGTS experience, even my own journey. Um, because everything, like you said, is practical. You learn it, you apply directly. And that was just such an incredible experience. So when we were doing that, um, we weren't really sure if we're going to be in Springfield or not, um, but God gave us a burden to birth this kind of type of ministry. We didn't really intend it to be a church, but we knew that this kind of sacred place was necessary. So we started as a small group. And then as my husband was learning more about reaching a diverse community in Springfield, Missouri, which is one of the least diverse cities in America. And we just kind of saw the need. And as he's studying more, and as I'm coming along with him, and studying the city itself as part of that ADTS degree, and we really saw, you know what, this is a God-given opportunity. And so we'll learn at school, apply directly and come back and reassess and then change some things and then do it again all over again. We still continue to do that.
0: And how's that campus doing now?
2: We're doing uh, incredible. Well, of course, with COVID, things are kind of like, you know, different. Mm-hmm. But um, we just feel like our ministry is a very timely ministry, not just of COVID, but we have a conversation about racism and political, um, police, you know, brutality and all, all that kind of stuff. And so we feel like we are strategically positioned uh, to tackle difficult topics and conversations as we live it out. And so we, our ministry is not in response to those things, right? We were already in existence before the racial issue or the, mm. the hot topic became harder. Um, and so uh, we felt like we were becoming a very good bridge between the community and God and just different people and being the voice of uh, hope and peace and unity. That's
0: good, so I've got a couple other follow-ups. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned being a police chaplain mm-hmm. and your church having some of these hot topic discussions. Yes. How did you come to become a chaplain for the police department and how do you see that role as pastor, police chaplain, yeah. but also leading some of these difficult conversations?
2: They're, they all go hand in hand. Um, I, can, I came from a non-Christian background and not, I didn't grow up in a church, so I was part of that last world when I was growing up. And so as a pastor now in a Christian bubble, my heart is always like I got to go into uh, my formal families the last world. And so that being a police chaplain uh, gives that divine opportunity to take me to difficult places and places that I wouldn't go otherwise. Like my first uh, call out was to a suicide uh, scene. I, for the first time in my life, uh, in person, I saw a per, the deceased body that, whose face was purple and foaming, mm-hmm. foam in his mouth and everything. Uh, and it was to the house of gay couple, you know, and in the midst of that, uh, as a pastor and a chaplain, um, you know, I, I'm scared in my, you know, in my flesh, but the, the peace of God really overwhelmed me. And I was able to minister to that person, um, you know, the, the leftover family, and I was able to pray with them even. Oh. And if it wasn't for me being a chaplain it wouldn't happen. So the way I got into this is actually because of my husband. Mm-hmm. He's very patriotic, he loves the city and country and so he was already in it and I was at that time working with the Assemblies of God uh, national office. And so I didn't really have a much free time to be able to like make myself available, but once I transitioned from that ministry to a full-time ministry, uh, I was able to give myself more, you know, and And so as I was doing that with my husband's support and encouragement, I really jumped into it. And I'm the only female chaplain there. And I can see my role uh, flourishing even within the whites group Hmm. where uh, a lot of my uh, male colleagues cannot get into that group. But I'm invited very freely and I talk with them. And oftentimes the wives are the ones that are really open about their pains and hurt and just concerns in general. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sitting there and becoming their friends and being their um, just ears to hear their stories and pray with them. So it's very uh, practical ministry. I, I wouldn't do it any otherwise. I mean, I, I really strongly encourage for other pastors to consider being police chaplains or fire department chaplains because yeah. really... Uh, help you to see church in a bigger scheme you're Mm -hmm. not pastoring just your church right but you're the pastor to the community and that's what it's supposed to be really
0: that's really good that's really good insight um so try to paint a picture here i know not far from where we are right now at evangel there's a new distribution center that life 360 um, has started are you doing anything with that facility
2: Oh, that is we call it a hub insider. Okay. Yeah, language is okay. a life and sixty community services. So uh, they do all the other ministries that is not part of the church ministries, okay. but they do equip local churches with resources so that we can partner with the uh, stakeholders, such as the schools, public schools, or the police department or fire department. We help them with the resources to stay um to stay connected and mm-hmm. have that bridge. And so, yeah, we are working very closely. We're very community-oriented, all about um, not just feeding the people, but really being the bridge to the community in Christ, community and culture.
1: That's awesome. So this may be a funny
2: question to ask you after
1: listing all of your occupations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. Do you have any hobbies? Oh, sleeping.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> when I have time. An <laughs>
0: underrated hobby, that's for sure. Yeah.
2: Very needed, right? Yeah. Or resting. I love spending time with my, my family, my kids. Um, I, I would have party at my house every single day if I could, you know, like I, it's kind of funny because I did not grow up in a family where we throw parties. Uh, my, I grew up with a single mom. Mm-hmm. And so I remember coming home, uh, to a dark house. Cause I, I'm the one who, who's flipping this light switch kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, it's very, you know, deserted place. But for some reason, I don't know, maybe I'm making up for it right now, but I love people. I love to hear their stories, which means you have to create space at your home.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and so that's kind of like what I like to do. My husband on the other side, you know, he has a time limit. And so it's
0: like, all right, everybody. Yeah, yeah like it's <laughs> time yeah, to go. <laughs> time
2: to go right now, or not this week, you know. So, yeah. but we work together really well to host people. That's what I, I don't know if that's answering your question. Yeah. But my hobby that's is totally to right. hang out with people that I love. Yeah. Well, and
0: with kids, we all have kids here. Um, yeah. It's. Interesting, their hobbies almost become your hobbies too, if you want to spend time with them too. So, what are some things that your kids are into right now?
2: Well, sports, um, but really the church is a big part of who they are. Uh, They're part of the ministry team as well, Uh, uh, like being in the worship team and this IT team and all of this. So, uh, I love this season of uh, ministry right now, the journey that we're in, where our family can minister together. Uh, so, we worship, practice together, and that kind of thing. And so, that becomes part of our hobby. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Watch movie Korean dramas together, mm-hmm. although my husband watches more than I do. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so into
1: it. Yeah. yeah. You know, that makes me think of something else. As you were creating your ministry and growing into your career, it must have been when your children were younger. Yes. And we talk about how important it is to bring your children alongside with mm-hmm. you ministry, wow. but practically, what did that look like for you in your husband? Yeah.
2: You know, uh, now that I am on the other side of the bridge where I read so many textbooks about leading ministries and what a healthy marriage and family and ministry will look Mm, like. But it was before then our kids were already involved in ministry. And the reason isn't really uh, very spiritual. It was out of necessity sometimes, you know, like you start that, you you start a small church. You need everybody to, you know, get their boots on and just buckle their belts and get into work. Um, but now that I'm reflecting back, and that was very, very healthy for kids to have the opportunity to serve at some capacity, at some level of ministry and leadership, and they can do that. You know, we sometimes kind of neglect, like, oh, they're just kids, you know, just go do right. your own thing and go to children's ministry, youth ministry, kind of separate them, not understanding that God is a God of all nations and generations, and he can use anybody and equip them. And so, um, first of all, I did it out of necessity. And, and to some degree, you still have to do it that way. But I'm um, seeing that how God is molding them and speaking to them. Even my daughter, just just the other weekend after service, she actually came up to me and she's like, oh, Mom, can you anoint me? And I, I thought she was just joking around, you know, if you anoint people on a special occasion, I and mean, you're not just doing it. But she was really serious, and like, I had a really special moment with God during prayer. Because we had a prayer time at church.
3: Yeah.
2: And that I feel like I need to be more vocal about my, my faith. She's nine years old. Wow. But she's like, God is speaking to her and I have known in her and pray with her and she's serving very intentionally. And so, yeah, I think it's, some of them is out of need, but some of them have to be intentional. Um, you know, you, you think that, oh, pastor's kids, because they're pastor's kids, they're going to be automatically spiritual, more spiritual than other kids. That's not the case. In fact, my husband and I are very intentional about asking our kids and checking in with them, uh, are we asking too much out of you? Or do you like being a pastor's fan, in, in a pastor's family? Well, how do you feel about that? Is it too much or too little? And so we kind of check with them, and but they love it. I mean, they are distraught when we have to go online during this COVID. I'm mm. like, I can't believe it. We're not having church, all stuff like that. And so it's good to always bring the kids. Or they're an important part of the ministry. They're not the site gigs you know they are yeah. the part, part major part of our ministry
0: and it's good to have those check-ins with them to make yeah. sure that they're still getting what they need from you exactly. as mom and dad exactly. before being their pastors
1: exactly it's good well hector you know what that reminds me of
0: what's that kate finances you're right life looks different right now for all of us and agcu makes life a little easier by providing trusted services beyond their branches Their member care representatives offer personal account support over the phone, and with mobile banking, you can deposit checks and transfer funds from anywhere. Are you enjoying our commercial yet? Their handy MobiMoney app helps you protect and control your debit card, and you can pay bills and view monthly statements with online banking. These services are free, and they're for you every day. AGCU is federally insured. Visit AGCU.org to learn more. That was like uh that was pretty good. I think uh I might need to ask them for some royalties on yeah. that one. Yeah,
3: second, second career <laughs> in radio.
0: That's right. Okay, so a few more questions, Sehi. What uh what brought you to CBC at first as a student?
2: Right. Well, actually I came because of my husband. He was offered a job as a men's president director. And so um at that time we were in New Mexico pastoring or be pastoring a small church in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And then we came, and during that time in New Mexico, I was in a um, community college, well, almost done with my two-year degree in general education. You okay, know? <laughs> good. So when I came to Springfield, Missouri, I was fighting, like, I have one more semester to finish this general education. You're so close to being
0: done, yeah. I know,
2: yeah. and I fought for it. <laughs> Not looking bad, that's kind of silly. But when we came, um, I was I had an amazing opportunity to study Bible. Um, uh, under amazing professors and spiritual mentors. And I'm just so glad that God just made that transition at that moment. Yeah.
0: So you said you came because he became an RD there. Yeah. Did he go to CBC then no, before he that? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, so he no. was not connected to the no. school. He just.
2: Yeah. I am the, the connecting link. <laughs> to there you CBC. Go. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. And, and yeah. hence you're the alumni awardee this year. Oh, that so. is good. That's <laughs> <Praise laughs> so, so great.
1: Lord.
2: So how did that experience at CBC shape you? It was incredible because when we got there, uh, I already we already had two kids. My boys were three years old and one-year-old. And, um, you know, I was kind of in school, you know, just kind of on that journey. But to start a Bible college, it was a different topic. You know, like, again, I never grew up in a Christian. I, I was just a pastor's wife. You know, I, I just want to say it that way. You know, like, I know that pastor's wife are not just pastor's wives, sure. But in my mind, I did not have any... Bible background. I was just filling in my role, mm. but I knew how uncomfortable I felt because number one, I was a young pastor's wife, but I did not have any theological background to give any like biblical insight or wisdom, and I would just offer prayers and just love them, and that's the extent of my ministry, and I felt frustrated. But also, when when I came to CBC, they have different ministry degrees, right? But I didn't know which way to go because number one, I wasn't sure if I, I was called to ministry. Well, I had the calling, but I kind of, kind of ignored that, you know, like I was thinking marketplace ministry type of thing, you know, but CBC did not offer that. And, but at that time I was looking at the degrees and I kind of really prayed through that. God, what do you want me to do? I can do missions. I can do other things, you know, but God was really telling, like prompting me and convicting me to say, do you know anything about me? Hmm. Like, ouch, you know, if you want to be the good news, Embodied good news. How are you going to do that when you don't know it much about me? And so that really led me to choosing Bible and theology. And like, if there's any knowledge out there that I'm going to study, that I'm not, I know I'm not going to regret it, will be the Word of God. And so that I went with Bible and theology, and I never regretted. Who knew I was going to be a pastor one day, right? You yeah. Know? So
0: it's amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: That. You don't always know the the destination, but God makes it clear what the next step is. Absolutely.
2: Sure.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So. Um, So you were there, you you said you graduated in 2013, so you were there 2010 to 2013, something like that. Mm -hmm. Think about that time. Mm -hmm. What was going on in the world back then compared to now?
2: Oh my goodness. You know, I I am not really, I I can't remember anything that was happening politically or anything, but I do remember 2013 was a year of consolidation. Mm,
3: Yes.
2: And we were in the middle of that. And as a, as a wife, by the time I graduated in 2013, my family added another family member. So that's when Demi was there. Yeah. Yeah, So my world was just really consumed with motherhood, school, ministry, and just going through this transition. But even then, um, as a result, my husband actually uh, lost the position, but that helped us go back into the pastoral ministry. And if it wasn't for it, I wouldn't be pastoring today. Wow. And so God really orchestrated everything looking back. Wow. But that was a hard time. That was a hard time being with three little children. Um, even the whole experience as the, um, non-traditional student, you know? Yeah. Um. Uh, not, not only that you're married, but you have kids. Uh, but my husband really supported me and said, you know, like be a college student. You know, you never had this opportunity. So even though you are a mom of three kids, just go and get involved and do everything that you could possibly do and experience. And so I did. You know, I got involved with the student you know, leadership and everything. Um, and that really shaped me uh, and gave me the foundation of leadership that I carry even to this day. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
1: You know, in my experiences with Evangel and HTS, um, one thing that I've discovered is that calling can look so different for so many people. I know people who receive a calling at the age of 12 years old, and that is it for their lives, You know, right. that's the one thing that they pursue and the one thing they're called to. But listening to your story, it really sounds as if God has called you maybe at different seasons and different steps along the way, rather than one big calling. It's, and this is for this season, this is what you'll do. Right. So do you... Would you say that you have found your calling or finding your calling and in what way?
2: Let me just go back to my calling piece, which is kind of interesting because uh, 17 years ago is when I married my husband. and Shortly after that, probably maybe a month later, I heard the voice of God and I never heard the voice of God before. And in that he said, Sehi, you'll be a minister on your own right one day. Mm. And I did not understand what that meant, because we were in Korea back then, we were ministering, we actually started an international church there as well. And I never wanted to be a pastor or just, you know, I mean, I will be a Christian, but being a leader in a Christian world, no, that wasn't my intention. I wanted to be a news announcer, did you know? Wow, <laughs> yeah. Did. yeah, we yeah. should have that. Yeah, I was so. on my pathway of becoming that, what God called me, and the struggle, part of that struggle was like, I did not see a female minister in South Korea. I didn't know it was a thing, and I struggled, like, am I uh, offending God by becoming one and saying yes? You know, like, I didn't I didn't have any biblical knowledge to say even yes to this, but that calling was so significant and so real, and even against my own desire, and I had to fight it, you know? So, like, 15 years later, you know, like, we we're at CBC or something like that, and we we are like I think it was twelve or thirteen years later. Mm-hmm. I find myself at C B C studying the Bible and my husband reminds me, remember that call? I'm like, oh don't remind me. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that yet. But God is like revealing that one at a time. uh so you're asking me, have you found your calling now as a lead pastor? I love where I'm at. I love the dynamics of pastoral ministry that I get to be multiplayers. You know, like you say, mm-hmm. Hector, I'm wearing many hats. <laughs> That's right. Because I'm a pastor, I get to do it. Uh, I had other jobs previously that I couldn't do other things because of the dynamics of that job, you mm-hmm. know. But pastoral ministry opens so many opportunities as you make yourself available for God to use you. Uh, so in, in some sense, yes, I feel like I found my calling. I wanted to be a news announcer. Instead of telling the worldly news, I'm teaching the good news. You're you know? a good news announcer. This, That's I mean, exactly what right. What could be better than that? That's you know? Right. Yeah, so, you are a
0: good news announcer. I,
2: I feel like God redeemed my earthly desire for something that is kingdom-oriented, and so I'm very thankful. But I remember what Dr. Carol Taylor said when I interviewed her for uh, different podcasts uh, for the of Ministries, and she said, I'm talking about different platforms. That your pulpit can change. That's right. You are called. Your calling is always there. And so even though I love being, uh, being a lead pastor right now in church ministry, I just love everything about it. I do feel like this is a, a, a training ground for me. I'm learning about being a pastor. Uh, I'm new to this world. As a female pastor, I'm also learning as I go. Um, for whatever reason, I feel called to be the voice and representative for the underrepresented whether it is ethnic minority, whether it is a woman, whether it is a professor in the Bible and theology. There's not a lot of female professors out there. And so I I do feel like my uniqueness bring some voice for the marginalized or the underrepresented. And so I feel like there is another call, which I do have not another call, but some calling that God has given me, but that is so beyond me. Mm. And it's kind of scary. It's, it, I got the same sense of this uneasiness when I received the pastoral calling. And so I recognize that sense yeah, when God gave right. me this uh, calling. And, um, I only told very few selected people just to make sure that I'm not going crazy <laughs> with yeah. this idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they affirm that. And, and, but I'm not really like going around and telling this is what God told me. I'm just waiting and just kind of keeping him close to my heart to see where God will lead me. But until then, I'm just going to continue to walk this journey. So the short answer is yes, I have found my calling. Um, but long answer is my calling is just to obey God wherever, whatever role that he gives me. My pulpit can change. And I'm open to that yeah. open whenever he calls me. The yeah. shape
0: of your pulpit can change. Yes. Yeah, and... and I think what you said is an important part as followers of Christ and uh, each on our own journey is learning what the voice of the Lord sounds like to us. Yeah. Cause it, you know, some people might hear it audibly. Right. Some people might hear just an impression in their spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important for us to learn what it sounds like so that, like you just said, you yes. can recognize yes. the the, the mm-hmm. signs of when God is starting to move again. Right. And then you can be sensitive to that. You said something I just want to repeat again, cause I thought it was so powerful. You said that God redeemed your earthly desire for a kingdom purpose, mm-hmm. I think we need to put that on a T-shirt or something like that that's just <laughs> such a powerful statement, and it's so interesting that you said news announcer, yes. and that you are in, in a I way am. still doing that. That's yes. so awesome. Yes. So, um, how have you seen the local church impacted by our current environment?
2: Mm-hmm. I think everybody's impacted, you know, not just the church, you know. But um, I I like to see the positive out of this because you, we can focus on the negative. The positive is I can see how God has, again, I'll use that word redeem, uh, the families, you know, when people are quarantined you're home, I've seen a lot of families out there playing together, especially fathers mm. out That's there cool. playing with children, that they couldn't do that otherwise. And I've also seen a lot of people during their quarantine having this personal time with God and reflective time with the Lord and kind of talking and thinking about their life Uh, and their uh, future Um, I actually got really sick I didn't uh, test positive but I was in bed for a couple of days during this season and God has I mean I, I guess he's been telling me to slow down for some time but in my mind like God I, I will when the time comes. <laughs> and sometimes
0: he forces the
3: hand like, no, slow yes. down. And,
2: and he sure did. And yeah. I was in bed just out for like three, four days. And that really put me in the perspective. I almost went septic. Oh, it, wow. was half, half,
3: it was, it was serious. Half, yeah, it
2: was serious. But that kind of gave me the perspective of number one, appreciating life as a gift from the Lord, but also reflecting uh, my priorities. You know, uh, what are the, um, the 5% of the unique ministry and gifting that I can offer to God, the the five percent of things that only I can—I am created to give. You know, I'm just kind of thinking about it and slowing down and just resting. Um, if there's any one invite that I want to give all the pastors and even students and teachers, just rest. You know, like we live in a busy world and we think like the without us the world cannot survive. But it can. God leaves it he and He's he days and He orchestrates everything and so. Resting in God and creating margin to hear the voice of God um, and reflect. And I think that's really important.
0: That's such a good word. It's it's so easy to forget. A lot of times we need to slow down so that yeah. we can go fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So imagine this scenario: mm-hmm. overnight, your job goes away. If you didn't do what you're doing, what would
2: you what would you choose to do? Oh my goodness! You know, I thought about the question, and there's so many things I want to be doing. You know, like. Uh, but if you're talking about career-wise, I, I think I'm not going to be a staying home mom. I, I that's just who I am. I want to be out there and doing something and making some sort of a impact in the community. You know, because sure. that's where I came from from the community. Um, so you know, I was talking about being a news announcer. Yeah, you know, right. like maybe I'll consider that because that makes me communicate with people. I yeah. love communicating. Yeah. But I don't know. I also thought about being a police officer when I was a you know a child, and um, uh, or I was flight attendant. But as I was thinking about that, it it has to do with serving people. So I think I will be in some capacity of serving people. I
0: think police officer is it. I've seen pictures of, say, he riding a motorcycle,
2: Yeah. so she likes (laughs) to ride a
0: motorcycle, so you could be the police officer that rides the motorcycle around town. (laughs) Totally, you have that gift. Oh, thank
2: you. (laughs) But I'm, I'm happy where I'm at right now. Yes, let's, let's not let that go away. That's right. That's right.
0: You're doing a great job in all the different hats that you're wearing. So, um, what kind of, uh, kind of a twofold question. What book recommendations would you offer? And then also, what are you reading right now?
2: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm in my doctoral program right now, so okay. I am reading a in list your, of in books in your spare time. Yeah, in my spare time. <laughs> so that's that's your hobby then. Right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know that actually has to become your hobby you reading know. books. Uh, I'm ready to be done, honestly, but it will come. But so the books that I, one of the books that I read for my class that I really enjoy that I recommend for everybody, especially in leadership, is called Hero Maker. Okay. by Dave Ferguson. Okay. It's really, uh, it shifted my mindset from I want to be a leader to I want to be a leader maker. Mm.
3: Um,
2: you know, because when I am growing in my own capacity of leadership, uh, when you're younger in your role or even in age, a stage of life, you're like, I want to be at the spotlight, right? That's the mindset. I want to grow. I want to be able to contribute. I want to be the voice and everything. You want to do everything. But there is a time, a shift in leadership where you kind of start thinking, okay, I need to multiply. I I can do everything. I can multiply my influence. So who do I want to invite to the table? And that's the idea of hero makers, not just replicating who I am, but seeing the potential in other people and uniqueness and calling that out. And so that they can be the leader that God called them to be. Because sometimes people don't know that they're called to be leaders. You know, for me, me being a lead pastor, I don't know if I will be one if somebody didn't uh, call that out out on me, starting with God, but other people right. around me, yeah. like, you know, you have potential to be a lead pastor. Or just opening the door, you know, what do you think about this? You know, like inviting me to the different boards. You I know, mean, Hector, you invited me to the alumni board. I mean, if somebody don't open that door for me, then I would never consider, oh, do I qualify to be at that table, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah that's such a good yeah. word because it, it, God does give us, words directly from him but he a lot of times speaks through people
3: exactly
0: and i know i had that experience where i had a kind of a a goal or a dream position that i was thinking about and i had somebody say oh you could could reach so much higher than that yeah but i never really thought about it before until somebody saw that in me
3: exactly
0: but then the second half of that is you have to force yourself to believe it right because you could discount it right away no no, no that's not me but you have to choose to believe it and say, I'm going to choose to believe this promise either from this person or that this promise is ultimately from the Lord mm-hmm. and live into that and believe it and then pursue it like you're doing with your doctorate. Yeah. Then you got to take the next steps to then pursue that.
2: Yes, exactly. And so this Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson uh, really encourages to think differently. Disciple makers, right? It, essentially, that's the whole idea. But it helps you see yourself out of stage You know, it's not about you at the center of stage anymore. It's about multiplying God's impact through other people. And I love that. just championing my friends, championing my brothers and sisters and others to rise up together. So that's one book. But the other book that I really like, and this is not part of my required textbook that I read before bed or when I have extra time. (laughs) But I really, I I read it like slowly because I want to marinate it. And it's actually the book written by Dr. George Wood called A um, Road Trip Leadership. And it's like the milestone, like different lessons that you will learn on the way to leadership, something that you will never learn in classroom. So these are all the lessons that he learned or observed uh, through practical ministries during his pastoral time. And he actually mentioned some of his time here at Evangel as a campus pastor. Wow. Wow! So all those things I'm learning about, I'm like, okay, Wow, I'm so glad that I can learn from others' mistakes, number one. Yeah. But uh, really practical information that nobody else will sit down and tell you. What would
1: you tell your daughter if shaver came to you with this idea of like feeling like an imposter, like she didn't
2: belong, or, or the role wasn't for her?
1: What wise words would you have for her?
2: I would just encourage her to do what I did. Uh, just really continue to seek the voice of God. You know, I cannot tell her, yes, you can do it, but if it's against God's will, what am I to say? You know, cheer her mm-hmm. on and mislead her. Uh, so I'm just going to direct her to just God and say, what is God telling me? You're the voice of a Him, And then I'll just coach her through, you know, if she feels called to be a woman in ministry, which I feel like she has that uh, little uh, signs showing because she sees me doing it. And so that's a possibility for her. You know, that's one of the job possibilities that she can do in a calling. But, um, I will just direct her to different voices that I don't have to be the voice of wisdom. It it depends on her calling and passion. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not equipped to give advice, I'll call somebody else who can do that, you know. Mm -hmm. But really ultimately it's hearing the voice of God. So what are you thinking a lot about these days? I'm thinking a lot as a pastor. I mean, because of the many roles, my yeah. brains, you know, my mind bounces all different directions. Right. But as a pastor, it's really about how can I continue to love and serve people and and in a way to worship and worship God. And how can I inspire them to continue to honor God and trust them during this time? As a professor at as you know at, at Evangel University, is how can I inspire young people to uh, embody the gospel. Not just teach the information, you know, not they're just sitting there um, listening because it's a required class, but they really fall in love with God. How can I inspire their love for God and love for his word yeah. and passion? And just really, just personally reflecting on my calling, um, what can I contribute? And you know, There's only one life to live and life is short, as you all can see, and especially during this COVID time. Um, what is it that I am uniquely gifted to give toward the common good of the people, but also toward God's kingdom? What is it that I'm created to do? Mm-hmm. Always constantly thinking about it. But, yeah.
0: That's good. Well, I have to say, um, you are certainly maximizing the time that God has given you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, kudos to you for that. Now it's time probably for our most serious part of the podcast. Yeah. Two truths and a lie. So <laughs> we're going to play two truths and a lie. Um, Sehi, we're going to ask you to share okay. three things, Okay. <clears throat> and Kate and I are going to try to guess which two are true and which one is a lie.
2: All right. You guys ready? <laughs> okay. The first one is that I got my black belt, uh, first black belt in taekwondo when I was seven months pregnant. Number Your first two? Fact. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, it could be the truth or lie. It okay. could be the okay. truth All or lie, right? right, right. right. <laughs> okay.
0: First? Okay.
3: First, yeah.
2: Okay. You got, got that? Got okay. It. Yeah. Number two, um, I went to middle school in Honolulu, Hawaii. All right. And number three, I married my first boyfriend or last boyfriend, I guess. First man I dated. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Only boyfriend. Only, only boyfriend.
0: boyfriend. Yeah. There
1: you go. Boy. Okay. I think I've nailed it. You, you think so? That yeah. After so, you go first, because I'm pretty sure I'm going
0: to be right about this. <laughs> oh, I love the confidence. That's amazing. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that you married your um, only boyfriend is true. I'm going to say that. You got your first black belt when you were seven months pregnant is true. Although now I'm regretting saying that one, but I'll stand by it. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to say it's a lie that you went to middle school in Honolulu. Okay.
1: Okay. I think that the first one is a trick question. I think you have a black belt, but I think there's fun, there's something funny going on there. Is that <laughs> your the second first, black belt? Yeah, or I
3: know. Eight that's what I,
0: that's you made, made me second guess it. Okay, tell All us right. what's, what's, what are the answers, Sadie. So, Sahe? what do
2: you want to know first? You want to know the truth first or the false? Yeah,
0: give us the two truths first.
2: Okay. So yes, I did marry my only boyfriend. Okay. Yes. All right. And I married pretty young, so, so. The other truth is that, yes, I did get my first black belt in Taekwondo when I was seven months pregnant. Yes. 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 And I have a, I have a third blood, a degree blood belt, yeah. So you went to high school in? Mm-hmm. I went to high school uh, in Honolulu. Oh, not so the middle, middle school, school was tricky part.
0: Okay, the nuance there. That's right. I knew that's she going to get Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, so you felt really confident. Yeah, yes. that's right. Chop one up for me. That's awesome. Hey, you know, um, I've got a second degree black belt as well in Taekwondo. Really? Yeah, yeah right. so maybe well, we can ooh, go. We should do like a match practice, practice. match. Yeah. Oh, well, practice? No, no would... we
1: can do that for real. No, just kidding. Practice for you, for real, for that. For real, for me, yeah. Yeah, it'll be practice for you you no doubt no
0: doubt that's awesome well say thank you so much um, this has been so fun do you have any questions for us I know that we ask you a bunch of questions but what questions do you have for us
2: I have so many questions for you I want to get to know you personally but uh, just for each of you the same question what what is the best part of being part of the adventure what inspires to wake up every morning
0: okay you go first
2: so I
1: have a mission and I feel like every morning I get to wake up and live that out. And I think one of the most important things that anyone can do is identify their mission because it, it really gives you purpose throughout your day and as a consequence throughout your entire life. I'm proud of the team that I work on. I'm proud to be a member of this team. Mm-hmm. And that is really inspiring for me because the work that we do is so important here at the university.
0: Yeah. I think for me, that's one of the the cornerstones of Evangel's ethos. Mm-hmm is that we all have a calling. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it when you, you talked about your conversation with Dr. Taylor, is that the shape of our pulpit might be different, um, but that we all are called. And there's no second class or third class citizen in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have a calling that we're all pursuing. And um, that's one of the things that drew me to Evangel initially as a student, was that you know I didn't necessarily feel called to ministry. And I will never forget coming to visit and sitting down with the professor and him saying, no, no, we're all called to ministry. Okay. But some of the ministry might be in a boardroom or in a surgery suite or in a classroom or whatever the case may be, um, it's all ministry. And um, for me, every day, being able to stay a part of this community, you know I graduated from here on a Friday and started working the following Monday, so I, I never left, <laughs> <Wow>. um, <laughs> just moved from my dorm to an office. And so it was that ethos that really drew me to stay here because we get to, to share that with the next generation of leaders. And working in the position that I that I get to work in with alumni um, who've been here 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that's always been the case of how we've approached education. And so that to me is inspiring to see um, what our alumni are doing, carrying their call to the world in the many different forms that they do. And I get to hear those stories like yours. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what uh, really inspires me to continue doing what what we're doing here, so. Good question. Yeah.
2: Thank you for what you're doing, Evangel, and I love being part of the Evangel family as well, and as a Professor. It's a wonderful journey. I, I love it. Being yeah,
0: and it. we love that you're here with us too. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us today. Um, to the listeners, thank you for listening to your calling, our podcast. Until next time, I'm Hector Cruz.
1: And I'm Kate Alsop. And don't forget to share the good news
0: and be the good news. God bless.